Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this uh, Monday, November 7th, Election Eve edition of the Old Dominion Libertarian Radio Network. Jeffrey Sanford is on the line with me tonight, and we're hoping that Andy Craig will be able to call in from the airport as he awaits his flight to Albuquerque. He's going to spend the evening and all day tomorrow with uh, Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. So how are things tonight in Louisiana, Jeffrey? Hey, Joe, it's doing great over here. Um, you know, looking forward to the big day tomorrow. I know everybody is. It's a uh, it's a day we just really, I think everyone got to the point where they just want to see it get behind us. I mean, I'll say not everybody. <laughs> we, we, we libertarians I, yeah. have lived this stuff all year, but. Well, well uh, I got a phone call tonight. Go. Yeah, I got, a, I got a phone call tonight from the Johnson Weld campaign. I actually got two 
uh, I got an automated message from Gary, and I got a real live caller who uh, asked me if I would please uh, vote for Gary and Bill tomorrow and uh, help get out the vote. I said I'm going to be at my polling location all day. And she told me that she'd been making – this was probably – Four o'clock when I got her call, she said she'd been making calls since 12 noon, and she hadn't gotten one person that said they weren't going to vote for Gary. I know my son walked in and said all of his kindergarten classes voted for Gary Johnson. Kindergarten. <laughs> so that was sort of so, nice to know that we got the young people behind us. Yes, we do. Uh, tonight's uh, guest that we have with us is a. Uh, Virginia Libertarian, uh, and uh, we're going to have him on in just a moment, uh, Rick Sincere. He's the con- the senior contributor at BearingDrift.com and a former member of the Charlottesville Electoral Board, and we're looking forward to having him on to discuss the election in just a moment. Uh, but, uh, Jeffrey, did you have anything you wanted to bring up before we get our guest on the air uh, there's so much uh, to talk about, Joe. I guess um, the most interesting thing to our speaker or to our guest who who might be out there listening to our listeners would be the the current state of the WikiLeaks and uh, uh, Hillary Clinton revelations. Um, the latest I've heard is sort of tame as far as what I could follow up on relative to some of the speculation that was out there at the end of last week. Um, we got we got um, all these allegations of Hillary Clinton being involved in child molestation and Bill Clinton. There's videos of him having sex with 13 year olds and Hillary covering it up and all this crazy stuff about orgy island. And, uh, yeah, I mean it's crazy. It's um, you know. What I what has always baffled me since this WikiLeaks stuff came out about Hillary Clinton is how quickly the Democrats have jumped on the the, the Russian propaganda bandwagon. Yet when WikiLeaks was bringing out all this information about George W. Bush, um, it was more accurate than the Bible. You know they they believe you know it was like Christians in the Bible. They're like, oh, it's gospel. You know, <laughs> well, that, you know, when all the consistent funny point about Comey too. Huh? I mean, Comey, like when Comey came out and and uh, said that he was going to reopen. The, first of all, when he said that Hillary was not guilty of anything and it was plain as day she was guilty of obstruction of justice. Anybody who deletes emails after you get a subpoena is guilty of obstruction of justice. Don't let anybody fool you. That's the beginning and the end of that case. I've been practicing federal court lawyer for thirty years. Case over. You admit you deleted the emails after you got the federal subpoena. You're guilty of obstruction of justice. That's simple. Okay. So when Comey said she wasn't, they weren't going to do anything. It was just that obvious to anybody who knows anything that he was covering her up. And you know, and so he's the, uh, you know, he's the evil, diabolical, politicized, you know, worst guy on earth. Until he reopens the investigation 11 days ago. And then everyone's like, "Oh my God, he's he's like he's not the most evil diabolical thing, you know." And then there was all this talk about the FBI. The FBI people were were uh, revolting against him. They were stacking resignation letters on his desk. 
his wife was telling him that he had to do something to preserve his reputation and to and to regain his credibility and you know just preserve his place in history until yeah. Saturday. But all of a sudden, they've read 650,000 emails in six days, and Clinton's really okay again. In the meantime, what happened in those six days, what happened in those six days, we found out that he got a $12 million gift, Clinton Foundation, from Morocco. The king of Morocco gave him $12 million, the Clinton Foundation, and we found out that uh, Qatar... Gave a million. Hillary herself sent an email out saying that Qatar and Saudi Arabia are funding ISIS. We got that only WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks has been the really the savior of the day. God bless Julian Assange. He's been so so great throughout all this period of time. And you know, regardless, our, our media. Everyone always used to call CNN the Clinton News Network, but now we know it's the Clinton News Network. Not only did they leak. The uh, the questions to uh, to Hillary before the debates. Now we learned in this latest. This is the latest, greatest uh, WikiLeaks that I could find today. Was that they sat down and, and worked with the DNC to figure out what questions to ask Trump. Now that's a big thing. If you're me, I'm I'm, all, I'm a lawyer. We practice cross examination. We get ready to see how we can string these people up ahead of time. When you sit down with the enemy sitting down with Hillary, thinking of Trump's enemy, to to figure out how you can screw Trump. That is as sold out as it gets. So they, can, they can fire Donald Brazil last week, but when it comes out that they were sitting down with the DNC to figure out how to interview Trump, that's well, a big deal yeah. against and, me. And they're, still, and they're still claiming that they never gave Donna Brazil any questions, that if, if she leaked the question to the, the Clinton campaign, it was merely coincidence that it happened to be a question that was asked. You know? <laughs> so, more, more, so, Clinton, more let's Clinton bring... information I got today. Jay-Z and Beyonce. Clinton paid him $67 million to endorse her. Now, we all know that getting endorsements is big business. But when you can command a $67 million endorsement fee, you did something. So more power to Jay Z. Well, I, and you know what you know what's what's so funny about that is that they probably would have endorsed her for free. She's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Joe. And that, that that's the crazy thing. These people they're running around totally retarded. You don't know where the hell should go blind. It's crazy. And that shows you how it how it's not these politicians, their personalities. It's bigger the problems. Are bigger than the personalities of the politicians. We're not fighting these people, these crazy people. We're fighting much bigger problems, much higher than them. I really believe we are yes. fighting the well, rest of the world. Yeah. Well, let's bring uh, Rick Sincere on and get his take on stuff that's been going on in this election and what he, what he thinks is going to happen tomorrow, uh, because that's that's really what we uh, want to know about is tomorrow. So. Um, good evening, Rick. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you all? We're great. Great. Uh, so, great, Rick. Um, first, <clears throat> first question out of the gate, um, I'll put you on the spot. What do you think is going to happen tomorrow at the polls? 
Well, I think uh, overall across the country, uh, Hillary Clinton will win at least 300 electoral votes. Uh, Donald Trump will be embarrassed, as he deserves to be. Uh, Gary Johnson will probably get about uh, 4 or 5% nationwide. I hope it's at least 5% because that will uh, help gain the Libertarian Party ballot access in a number of states and also qualify the party for federal matching funds. Uh, in future elections, which the party can refuse to take, of course, but at least the qualification is is a a, a real uh, uh, shot in the arm for us. Yeah, that that, that that's going to be um, an argument for another day. Uh, I know that um, even at this convention that we had back in May, they had a lot of people there saying, you know, we don't want five percent because then we're going to get money that we don't want. Um, I think Daryl Perry called it a government welfare check. Um. <laughs> well, the way the way I look at it is the government stole it from us to begin with. We might as well take it back. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, um, I see a lot of the polls um, that are coming out. I think there was one from um, NBC and Wall Street Journal that shows Hillary with a five-point lead. It looked like she was going down. And when you look at stuff from Breitbart and other uh, Trump surrogates, they have her tanking. And when you look at stuff from from her and her people, she ha- they have Trump tanking. So um, it's hard to know what's going well, on. That, yeah, that's, that, that's natural that uh, the, the two opposing forces would uh, – pump up the, the most uh, positive stories about their own campaigns and, and try to uh, push down on their opponents. Uh, right now, I, I think the only poll that counts is the one that takes place tomorrow when uh, people actually go to their precincts and cast a ballot. Uh, I, I think that uh, because of changes in demographics and the way people use telecommunications, that uh, the traditional ways of doing polls are not uh, – not all that accurate. I, I heard a report on the radio today about uh, how a number of, uh, of polls, when they break down the numbers according to ethnic groups, uh, under Hispanic, uh, it says uh, not applicable because they're not reaching enough uh, voters uh, who, who speak Spanish or of Hispanic uh, heritage. They're not reaching millennials and younger voters because they don't use landline. Uh, you know, the the past few weeks we've seen a, a real decline in Gary Johnson's numbers in the uh, in the polls in Virginia. He he dropped from 15% to 3% uh, over just a, a few weeks. But I think that severely underestimates his support. And I say that only because I'm getting these anecdotal reports from around the country, largely from uh, old friends and, and and family members who who I never discussed politics with, who are volunteering the information to me that they're planning on voting for Gary Johnson or they already have voted for him in, uh, in absentee voting or early voting. And these are people who have never told me what their political preference is, but on the, on, for the most part they tend to be conservatives in, in their personal lives and in their politics. These are people who normally would be voting for a Republican candidate, uh, but uh, – you know, I'm hearing this from people in Florida and Wisconsin and uh, in uh, in Nevada and other places around the country where where I've got uh, friends and classmates and, and family members, and I, I, these are not people who are being called by the polling organizations. 
Well, do you think that that what what the polling companies are doing is intentional, or they're just not keeping up with the times? Uh, it's not intentional. They, they their their reputation is based on accuracy, and it's not just in politics either. These are polling companies that that do surveys for corporations and uh, nonprofits. And, and, and they need to be as accurate as possible if they want to continue to do business. It, it's, it's just a matter of, of uh, changing demographics and changing technologies that they've not been able to adjust to yet. They're trying their best, but they certainly do not intentionally skew the polls because uh, their, their reputations are on the line. The last thing you want to be is, is, is the, the polling organization that, that was, uh, had the worst uh, predictive uh, ability in a, in a major election. You, you, you want to be able to predict things accurately if you want to get uh, business in, in years to come. Yeah, well, I, I noticed – go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. You, you noticed something. I don't no. want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just, just going to say that when the polling companies, when the Commission on Presidential Debates first um, came out with their list of polling companies that uh, they were going to use to determine whether or not um, uh, a candidate would get on the debate stage, I, I made a prediction even before that. I said once they know which one – which polling companies are going to be used, those polling companies are going to going to fool with their numbers so that Gary doesn't get on board. And, and of course, the Trump people said, oh, no, that, that's not, not at all what's happening. They're, no, no, no. And then as soon as Trump started going down in the polls, they started crying foul and saying, oh, well, the polls are rigged. They're in favor of Hillary Clinton, and they're skewing the numbers to fit Hillary Clinton. But I honestly think it's exactly what you said, Rick. They have to be, um, they have to be honest and forthright, or they're not going to get any business. Yeah, or they have and, to be uh, able, or they have to be able to oversample or the, the way that their, their their client tells them to. So you have to be able to get the truth, or you have to be able to get the result, depending on who's paying you for what. Well, I don't think that's an entirely accurate. I mean, like I say, the, the, these polling companies, mo most of their money does not come from politics. It comes from businesses that want to know whether their customers are, are buying grapefruits or Chevrolets or, 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 uh, or, or canned vegetables. And, and uh, they, they, they live and die on their, on their reputations. Uh, I, I used to do some polling myself uh, in Virginia, and uh, it, it was important to uh, to keep that uh, keep that reputation intact. Otherwise, people are not going to come to you to uh, offer you their business. Speaking of reputation, what do you think about the Clinton News Network? Clinton News Network over these WikiLeaks over the last few weeks, do they have any credibility left? Uh, I, th I think I think CNN has a lot more credibility than some of the, the fake websites you see on on Facebook. Which are put together by uh, you know Macedonian teenagers uh, regurgitating pro-Trump propaganda. You know, I, I, w I would take Anderson Cooper over Breitbart at any time. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I I knew Andrew Breitbart, and I'm sure he's rolling over in his grave seeing what's happened to uh, his his network of of, of websites. So they they've compl completely gone over to the dark side. What do you think about? Um 
about William William Wells stepping up in favor of uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton there last week? How how did you take his his um, his statement that you know of support? Well, I I, I think Bill Weld uh, is, is one of the most honest politicians you're going to see, and and basically what he said was. Based on my experience as as a former federal prosecutor, Hillary Clinton does not seem to have done anything that warrants prosecution, and uh, I think you know he'll he'll be shown to be correct. He never said that he supported Hillary Clinton. He never said that he would vote for Hillary Clinton. He said that he disagreed with Hillary Clinton on the wide range of issues that are important to American voters, and uh, it, any any rumor. That Bill, that the Bill Weld was supporting Hillary Clinton was planted by the Clinton campaign in order to discredit the Libertarian ticket. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, and, I, I, I and, think that someone said it today that uh, I read an article that indicated that Weld is playing chess with the minds of the Clinton voters to, to try to like you know establish some some um, rapport and common ground with the Clinton voters and trying to get, and I think he is, and if he, if he isn't trying to do it, he certainly did it. And I'm hoping that we can get a bunch of those votes. Yeah. Well, uh, traditionally libertarian candidates take about a third of their votes from Democrats, about a third of their votes from Republicans and a third from people who don't otherwise vote. Uh, I think this year you're going to see a much bigger chunk of that from people who otherwise would not be voting uh, and uh, there will be more votes coming from uh, Republicans who are disgusted with Donald Trump for good reason. He's the singularly most unfit candidate for president we've ever had in our nation's history, with the possible exceptions of Franklin Pierce and James Buchanan. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Hillary – and I, I think there was a hope that uh, – that Gary Johnson and Bill Weld will, will put some pull some support from Bernie Sanders supporters because of uh, issues like uh, war and peace and the war on drugs. But the Sanders Sanders supporters in general seem to have lined up firmly behind Hillary Clinton because Bernie Sanders himself did. Although I know news reports today that two. Uh, Democratic electors in Washington state who are uh, former supporters of Bernie Sanders have announced that if Hillary wins Washington, they will not vote for her in the Electoral College, uh, which will be really interesting if it's a close election. But uh, if it is a close election, those people, those two guys will have the most pressure put on them of any two people in the United States, uh, probably including a lot of death threats. Yeah, well, I was... uh, um, Go ahead, Jeffrey. I was just going to say, have you seen these these uh, different articles that transpose the crowd of a of a Trump crowd to uh, of of a hundred thousand to a a Hillary Clinton uh, or one of her surrogates crowd of like a thousand people? I mean, I mean, how do how do you explain that that vast difference? I mean, I've got an explanation, but what's your explanation for the throngs that they get out to see? I think the reason is that Donald Trump is far more entertaining than Hillary Clinton is, and people are willing to take off time from work and uh, taking care of their kids to, to go see Trump rather than Hillary because you never know what, what's going to come out of Trump's mouth. But Hillary delivers a stump speech. She, she does not stumble. Hillary Clinton is a highly disciplined candidate, you know, exactly the opposite of Donald Trump. 
and uh, the other thing is that Hillary Clinton supporters are out there knocking on doors, stuffing envelopes, making phone calls, and doing all the, the, the GOT efforts that Donald Trump did not invest in. Uh, people, sit, people sitting in a rally are not getting their candidate elected. People sitting in a rally, uh, if, if they want to get their candidate elected, they should be knocking on doors, making phone calls, and, and stuffing envelopes and giving money. Uh, the, the, you can't read anything out of the number of people who show up at a, at a Donald Trump rally in terms of how it will translate into a vote you know, on Election Day. Well, the other yeah, thing that do, that the other thing that people... Yeah, and and one thing that somebody mentioned to me, and 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 I think it's it, it's it's partly correct, is that a majority of those people at a Trump rally, a they're Republicans, and b they were going to vote for whoever the Republican nominee was anyway, even if it was Jeb Bush. So you can't win with those not, with just those I'm people. I'm not sure about you. that. I I I think I. I think the Trump rallies are a lot like a Grateful Dead concert. Uh, there are people who follow Trump around and, and, and go to his rallies uh, because it's, it's a traveling circus. Uh, and I, in fact, I think I read an article about how, how many people have been to more than one Trump rally and, 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 and in multiple Trump rallies. And, th- and they'll go from Florida to North Carolina to uh, Pennsylvania just to follow their their uh, their, uh, their their idol around, and uh, there's a lot lot of uh, there aren't that many uh, individuals compared to uh, uh, you know, there there are fewer individual people going to these Trump rallies than there are people who are going to multiple rallies. Yeah, well, that makes sense. That. That certainly does. I mean, I... One, one of the big um, questions that I, will, I want to ask is that, that why is the vote for Johnson Weld so important right now? What, to your mind, what's the most important reason why we should vote for Johnson Weld as opposed to a Clinton or a Trump, depending on what side of the spectrum you land on? Well, I think the reason to vote for Johnson and Weld is that the two most highly qualified candidates to run for president this year, and they're right on the issues, and uh, they, uh, you know, they deserve our votes because they are morally superior to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. What about the vote on the TPP? And, and what about their position on the TPP? What do you say to those people who say that uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership is a, uh, is a, is a relinquishment of our, of our sovereignty and anybody that would, would, would be in favor of the TPP is not a real American. Well, I would say they were wrong because uh, being in favor of free trade is the pro-American position. And uh, Gary Johnson and Bill Weld are the only candidates who currently support free trade. Both Donald Trump uh, has has upended traditional Republican support for free trade, and Hillary Clinton has reversed her position on free trade. And uh, I, I think it's terrific that, that Johnson and Weld are actually supporting the TPP in the face of uh, all, you know, the other two parties abandoning their, their traditional support for jobs and, and commerce. Uh, you know, I, we should not be supporting policies that prevent individuals in the United States doing business with individuals 
in Japan or Taiwan or the Philippines or Chile or Canada or Mexico or any of those other countries that are participating in the TPP. I mean, we, we really don't, we, we don't want all that business to go to China, do we? Because the whole point of the TPP is to reduce China's influence in that region and to give individuals the right to trade with each other uh, without uh, being uh, uh, obstructed by tariffs and quotas. Uh, support for the TPP is a support for the individual. Anyway, yeah, I noticed that. I'm not, yeah, I noticed that when Gary's numbers were pretty high in the polls, and um, like he was at, I think at one point he was um, 13 or 14 percent nationwide or something like that, and um, he was really heavily talking about the TPP, and so was Bill Weld. And I remember Donald Trump came out at one of his rallies, and he said something to the effect of, you know, free trade is not always fair trade, folks. And there are some candidates who don't seem to get that. And he never would say Gary Johnson and Bill Welt, but I had a feeling he was talking about that. Crowd just cheered and cheered. And the reason I say that is because right after he gave that speech, I saw all these Trumpkins on Facebook saying the same thing. Free trade is not fair trade, and I wish Gary Johnson would understand that. And, you know, um, we had to tell them, well, the um, the Cato Institute supports the TPP, and they're one of the biggest libertarian think tanks in the world. So uh, stick it in your ear, you know. <laughs> well, fair, 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 tra fair trade is just code for managed trade in which government decides who the winners and losers are. Free trade is when individuals and businesses decide who the winners and losers are rather than letting bureaucrats in Washington make those decisions. Yep. Thank you. So, yeah. What, 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 what do you think about the idea of, uh, of Trump's wall? I, I live down here in Trump land, and, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of these questions myself. And, you know, what, I mean, I've got, I've got some very strong ideas about Trump's wall, but what do you say about it, Rick? I, I'm not sure I understood your question. It, it, you're a little bit muffled there. I'm sorry. I'm a, I've got you on my speakerphone so my kid can hear while I'm doing it. But uh, I said, what? How do you feel about Trump's wall? But he's talking about Trump. the wall that Trump wants to build. Oh well, I, I think that we should support uh, the free movement of people across borders. Building the wall is a stupid idea. Uh, certainly, Mexico is not going to pay for it. There's been a net outflow of immigrants from this country over the past four to eight years. You know, more more people are more more immigrants who came here are leaving the country voluntarily than are coming in. Uh, you know, if we if we support the free movement of capital goods across borders, we should support the free movement of people as well. Uh, there, there there's there's no reason to put up more uh, obstacles to to immigration, and uh, especially when immigration is declining, right? it, it makes no sense. And especially, why should we build a wall on the border with Mexico, but not one on the border with Canada? Uh, you know, besides the fact that well, the that's border with Canada next. is a lot longer. 
I, well, I certainly <laughs> hope not. I mean, we've hey, I mean, since nine eleven, well, since nine eleven, we've made life very inconvenient for people who live on the border with Canada. I mean, people who used to do their grocery shopping across the border now have to produce a passport every time uh, you know they go to they go to Kroger or, or the Piggly Wiggly. Uh, it, and uh, prior to nine eleven, uh, there was a lot more freedom uh, of travel. That included uh, in you know towns and 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 villages on the border in which the the uh, the border actually goes down Main Street, uh, you know kind of kind of like Bristol, Virginia, and Tennessee, except in this case it's Vermont and Quebec. Uh, we, we 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 need to we need to reduce barriers to travel, not not increase them. Uh, Rick, I got a, I got an important question for you here. So do you what do you see for the future of the libertarian movement? Will can we roll back some of this encroachments on our freedom? I mean, is there any way to ever get back liberty? And what what's the best path to get there? Well, I, we certainly have seen uh, improvements over the past few years. For instance, in D.C. versus Heller. After after years of the Supreme Court prevaricating on on, on what, what whether the Second Amendment was an individual right, they said yes, it is. Uh, and and for for you know the last major Supreme Court decision on the Second Amendment had been back in 1938, and and so suddenly the Second Amendment is recognized across the country as meaning what its clear language says it means. Uh, so you know we we've seen. Uh, that I mean, in in cases like uh, the Supreme Court's uh, marriage decisions, uh, we've seen you know the Supreme Court struck down laws that prevented people from getting married. Uh, you know, we're, we're, there are definitely uh, improvements that we never would have imagined 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, just you know, just on a few issues like that. And uh, so I, I'm optimistic. I, I think I think the libertarian movement has seen some real successes over the over the past uh, 25, 30 years. But uh, you know, it's not necessarily uh, successes of the libertarian party. But certainly, libertarian thinking has seeped its way into the policymaking process, uh, both uh, judicially and legislatively. You know, through things like, you know, legislatively across the country, you've seen the growth of uh, charter schools and school choice, which is, you know, that's a libertarian idea. Milton Friedman came up with it. Uh, and uh, now, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, school choice is available all over the country that, uh, you know, 30 years ago, that would have been unthinkable because of the control of the teachers unions. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, I'm optimistic. I think the libertarian movement has had successes and will continue to have success. In the future, uh, okay. Uh, as a uh, libertarian party uh, member, one of the things that I see that is, is that we spend a lot of energy on is this idea of whether you should, you should, we should be a party of principle. And if, in fact, what you're you're saying is correct, that that you know we're more a party of ideas, we're not necessarily going to have the candidates win so much as influence thinking and make positive change through our ideas. Should we be the pragmatic pragmatic party of a Johnson Wells campaign, or more a, a principled campaign of the anarchist side of the party? I don't think there's any contradiction between being pragmatic and being principled. Uh, I consider myself to be a pragmatic 
libertarian in the sense that I think that we are only going to succeed in getting our policies implemented on an incremental basis, step by step. It's not going to happen overnight. We, you know, the party has been uh, running candidates from president on down for 45 years. And very few libertarian party members have been elected to public office when you consider the vast number of public offices that are available to us. I mean, there, there's something like 500,000 elected officials in the United States, and at any one time, no more than 200 or 300 are libertarian party members or endorsed by the libertarian party. So we have to, we have to work on getting the ideas out there and influencing people in the other political parties and uh, you know, it also through the judicial system, getting bad laws overturned and stopping bad laws from being passed. You know, in, in the lobbying business, uh, it's often much more important to keep a bad law from being passed than to get a good law to be passed. Uh, you you, you want to you keep the... the tentacles of government as short and as narrow as possible. Yeah, that's, I would I would agree with that. We have I have a question that one of our listeners wrote in and asked about he wanted your opinion on this. It has to do with Ron Paul and he basically says that Ron Paul is by many considered the godfather of the libertarian movement. Uh, a lot of people followed him in 0812 and he said, you know, Ron Paul has had some very harsh things to say about the current libertarian ticket. And uh, as far as this guy knows, Ron Paul has never endorsed a Libertarian Party candidate. And he just wants to know what you think about that. Well, first of all, Ron Paul is not the godfather of the Libertarian movement. The Libertarian movement began long before anyone heard of Ron Paul. And the Libertarian movement will continue long before anybody has remembered Ron Paul. Uh, second, he has endorsed libertarian candidates because he endorsed me when I ran for the House of Delegates back in 1993, uh, and, and I, I ran as, as a libertarian in the 49th District of Virginia. Uh, okay. Also, I think I think that Ron Paul has some kind of personal animosity towards Gary Johnson, which I can't explain. I don't know why, but I I I, I, I interviewed Ron Paul, or at least I asked him a question at a uh, Tea Party event back in 2011, and I asked him whether he would be supporting Gary Johnson for president. This was before either of them had announced they were running for president as Republicans in 2012. And Ron Paul just snapped at me that he, that, uh, he, would, uh, he would let Governor Johnson decide for himself. Uh, there's, there's, there's some, I don't understand it, why, I, I don't understand why, but Ron Paul just personally dislikes Gary Johnson. And, uh, you know, and he says crazy things like Jill Stein is more libertarian than Gary Johnson. And Jill Stein is a socialist. Uh, I don't think Ron Paul has any credibility anymore as far as being a leader of the libertarian movement. What about Rand Paul? Yeah. I think Rand Paul falls into that pragmatic category. Uh, you know, I would have, I would have supported him if he were the, uh, the Republican nominee, uh, and anybody but Gary Johnson had been the uh, libertarian nominee, but uh, Rand Paul, I think, uh, I think he's been uh, cowed by the religious right and social conservatives to take positions that are antithetical with his own political philosophy. 
we'll see how he does in his reelection campaign for the U.S. Senate and see whether over the next six years he introduces and champions legislation from a libertarian point of view. I think it's very useful to have somebody like Rand Paul in the Congress as a leader of the libertarian movement, uh, even if he's not presidential material. I mean, we need, we need people with libertarian leanings like, like Rand Paul, Justin Amash, uh, Mike Lee uh, in, in Congress. I, I wish back in uh, 2014 that Gary Johnson had run for the U.S. Senate. I, I think if Gary Johnson were a senator today, not only would he be uh, in a much better position to be elected president, but he would have done some good on Capitol Hill in uh, preventing bad legislation and perhaps introducing good legislation that could have been passed. But Gary, I, I talked to Gary about it, and he never saw himself as one of 100. He, he's, he's more of an executive type rather than a legislative <laughs> type. But I think Senator Gary Johnson would have been a, a great addition to Congress. Yeah, I, I agree what with that. that. Um, what about Julian Assange? What would you say his place is in the libertarian movement at the moment? His uh, his his uh, uh, what what should be his due coming out of this presidential election? How should we the United States policy direct itself towards Assange? And um, and what should what do we owe him? Well, I don't think there's any indication that Julian Assange is a libertarian. Uh, he's for transparency and for letting information be free, but I, I have not seen any evidence that he's, he's a libertarian in, uh, in any policy sense. Uh, so, I mean, he might be a, uh, a hero of, of open government, but he's, he's not a, uh, a hero of classical liberalism. Yeah, but slow down there because my, 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 my point would be, my response would be that we, if we don't have a hero on the First Amendment, we don't get to the Second Amendment. And so if he's, if he's spending all of his energy protecting the freedom of speech and the freedom of, of information and the truth of the information that the people get, you know, we, we don't have anything behind him. So to me, he's the number one libertarian in the world, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously he stands for positions that are, are libertarian, but I mean, there, there are a lot of people who take libertarian positions on individual issues who are not libertarian in the wider sense of the word. I mean, they're not, they're not uh, you know, seamless garment libertarians, if you get my drift. Uh, you know, they're, they're, yes. they're, I uh-huh. mean, there are people I know who are strongly anti-war, but they're also socialists. Uh, you know they're libertarian by I mean, when they say we should not intervene in the affairs of other countries, but then they turn around and say, "But we need national health care." You know, you know those 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 are not libertarians. <laughs> I mean, yes, right. Well, well a, a, a perfect about, example of that. I'm sorry. We what did you say, Jeffrey? I was I was just saying, Rick, finish, Rick. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I, I I finished with what I was saying. Okay, my question is, what do you think about the affordable uh, health, uh, care, affordable health care that uh, Obama has brought us, and where do we stand now on that as a Libertarian Party? What kind of issue does it does it does it present to the next president, and uh, and what's coming next? Is there any chance of regaining liberty in health care? Well, I think as we see the Affordable Care Act collapse under its own weight. 
there will be people looking for solutions place it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, on the one hand, you've got people who are saying, well, we need a single payer system. And, uh, that may have been the intent all along to create a, uh, a government monstrosity that could not succeed. And the, so when the Democrats take control of the government, they'll say, well, we just need single payer like they have in Canada or, or the UK. Uh, but on the other hand, this will present a marvelous opportunity, especially at the state level, where uh, insurance companies are pulling out of the marketplaces for local libertarian parties to say, "We've w- there, there are free market solutions to the healthcare problem. Let's consider them." And, and, and there are a lot of openings for state legislatures to adopt policies and pass laws that can show that there are alternatives to both the single-payer system and to Obamacare, and this can trickle up to Congress. You know, I, I was on a, a, another radio show earlier today, and this question came up, and, and someone was complaining about how the Republicans have talked about repealing and replacing Obamacare since, you know, basically the beginning of the Obama administration, but they haven't really presented any solutions. And I pointed out that the Republicans and people like Paul Ryan have uh, introduced health care bills, alternatives to the Affordable Care Act, uh, even before the Affordable Care Act was presented to Congress, uh, and they just haven't passed. And they've been, they've been grandstanding too much about repealing uh, Ob- Obamacare and not talking enough about the free market solutions that are embedded in bills that they've already introduced. And, and these, are, these are bills that, that have libertarian influences, but they're not being discussed because they think they need to repeal Obamacare first. What they should be doing is they should pass, be passing amendments to the Affordable Care Act and, and, and whittling it around the edges until it's whittled down to nothing and it's replaced with free market solutions. But they've been, they've been playing politics with it rather than, than being serious policymakers. Well, that's what Bill Weld says um, in, in one of his speeches. He was talking about how the, Re- the Republican Party gets these really young candidates to run for office as a, a congressman or a, a senator or whatever, and, and they get up there, and the first thing they say is, if you elect me, I'm going to go to Washington and repeal Obamacare. And he says that's nonsense. They're not going to do that, but it whips up their base, and it gets – everybody excited and then they get nominated and if they happen to win and go to Washington, the last thing they do is repeal Obamacare and it's not even the last thing because it ain't going to happen. Right. It's an old salt. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Republican House of Representatives has voted 42 times to repeal Obamacare and it's never even got to a floor vote in the U.S. Senate, and it certainly would not have been signed into law by President Obama. It, it's all grandstanding. It, it has nothing to do with policymaking. Yes, I, that's true. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, um, the, the first time that I ever learned about you, Rick, was during the Sarvis campaign. Um, in fact, it was right after Sarvis had been nominated as the uh, libertarian candidate for governor of Virginia. And somebody sent me a a video of you interviewing Ken Cuccinelli, and you asked him if he was going to 
um, debate the libertarian candidate, and he flat out said, oh, no, I'm not going to, because he's only going to get 1% or 2%. Why should I debate him? And <laughs> And nobody else, I don't think anybody else in the entire time that, that Robert Sarvis was running for governor asked Ken Cuccinelli that question, but you did. Oh, well, uh, I, I don't remember that particular interview, but uh, I, I, I didn't realize I was the only person who, who had asked him that question. Uh, I, 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 I do remember talking to Ken about that. Uh, I, I didn't realize that it turned up on video. I, I, I know I, I probably have an audio recording of it, but that, that's interesting. That might, it might have been audio was... and not video. I just remember it. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I think I, I, it, that would probably have been on Labor Day in 2013 when when both uh, Rob Sarvis and Ken Cuccinelli were at the uh, uh, Labor Day Festival in Buena Vista, which is the traditional start of the campaign season in Virginia. Uh, and yeah, I, I definitely did ask Ken that question, uh, and he flat out said, I don't want to debate him. But I did introduce the two of them that day, and I got some pictures of them together smiling. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Rick, um, what, can you, what can you tell the voters relative to the down-ticket races? What should we be looking for? Who should we, who should we try to um, – what, what are the indicators of the, of the candidates we should – we should choose from the down ticket races relative to the nationally, not not a particular race, but um, well, unfortunately, here in Virginia, tell, there, there, there there's no there are no libertarian candidates on the ballot other than president, which which is really unfortunate because I think Gary Johnson would have had some coattails this year that would have assisted congressional candidates, and I think you said Andy Craig is going to be on the line later, and he's running for Congress in Wisconsin. They've got a really good candidate recruitment program in in the Wisconsin LP. They've got people running up and down the, uh, the ticket, and and so it's important to vote for libertarian candidates. Now, when there are not a liber- when there's not a libertarian candidate on the ballot, you've got to find the candidate who's closest. And uh, here I, I'm in the 5th Congressional District of Virginia. There's an open seat. Democrat Jane Dittmar, uh, member of the uh, Albemarle County Board of Supervisors, State Senator Tom Garrett. Uh, I've interviewed Tom Garrett a couple times. He actually called me up once, and we talked on the phone for about two hours. He and I don't see eye to eye on everything, but he's introduced legislation to legalize marijuana. Uh, he's introduced legislation to repeal Virginia's outdated and unconstitutional sodomy law. He talks like a small government conservative. Uh, we disagree on immigration policy. Uh, I think uh, he might be more hawkish on foreign intervention than I would like. But I think I can vote for him with a clear conscience uh, in the absence of a libertarian candidate on the ballot. He's about as close to a libertarian as you'll be able to get in a in a in a very red district like the fifth district of Virginia, and so you know I don't I don't have any problems casting my ballot for him. I mean I I think I would have preferred a different candidate running as a Republican. Certainly I would have liked to have seen a, a Libertarian running, uh, but uh, yeah, you just look for people who agree with you on as many issues as possible, who are uh, temperamentally suited to the office. Yeah, I I, I think that's very good. At- what about 2018? What can you tell the people that think they might run in 2018 as a libertarian? What, what would you say that the, their their focus should be? I mean, I know I'm just I'm skipping ahead, 
that pass a big day, but I might not get you for a while. So those of us who are looking at this election day tomorrow and, and you know, sort of a, it, past tomorrow is a big chasm. You know, we have to figure out how to right. you know, negotiate. The 2018 uh, campaign begins on Wednesday. Uh, my <laughs> Speaking from my experience as a person who's run for office as a libertarian three times and as a, uh, a person who's been observing candidates and elections for a long time now, uh, a libertarian candidate should not put the burden on himself to teach everything about libertarianism to his constituents. Uh, leave that to the think tanks and the university professors. Uh, you should choose three key issues that you emphasize over and over again, and they should be as closely targeted to your own uh, community and constituency as possible. There are going to be some places where a libertarian candidate runs, like San Francisco, uh, where you don't want to emphasize that you're you know, pro-gun rights, uh, but you may want to emphasize that you're pro-gay marriage, for instance. Uh, if you're running in some district in Texas, then you do emphasize that you're more in favor of gun rights than your Democratic opponent would be. Or, or, and and you, you, you don't run on the social issues. You run on you know, anti-regulation. You, 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 you need to know your constituents, and you also need to know those constituents who are most alienated and dissatisfied parties and see what will appeal to them because you're, you're going to have to peel away votes from Democrats and Republicans in order to have a tangible impact on, on the election results or even get elected. And so you, you have to be narrowly focused on the issues, very repetitive to the point of being bored with yourself, and, uh, and then just move on from there. Don't, don't be afraid to answer questions about other issues, but to the extent you can, always bring it back to the three key issues that you've chosen to be the focus and theme of your campaign. What have you run for in the past as a libertarian, and what might you run for in the future? I don't plan on running for anything in the future, but I've run for the Virginia House of Delegates twice in a special election in 1991 and the general election in 1993, and I also ran for Arlington County Treasurer in 1991 in the general election. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, I, running for office is, is, is a game for much younger people than me. I, I prefer to work behind the scenes. Do you see, do you I, see I know what you mean. Do you see an obligation on people to run, especially the younger people who see a problem? Do you, do you feel like, you know, we all have an obligation to run independent of these two parties and have us apparently so under the form of international um, forces. I don't, I don't think that everybody has an obligation to run. I think you do have an obligation to support your libertarian candidates, whether they're capital L or small L libertarian, wherever you can. Uh, I, do, I think that it's important for the libertarian party to have as many candidates on the ballot as possible, even if that means just running paper candidates. You know, people who are willing to put their names on the ballot but are not as willing to go out and campaign. Because, you know, I, and I think there was a real, real missed opportunity here in Virginia this year where not a single candidate got on the ballot for U.S. Congress. 
Uh, it's not that hard to run for a House of Representatives seat in terms of ballot access. You only need 1,500 uh, signatures. And the fact that nobody was able to achieve that is a real disappointment. Uh, and we could have achieved a lot this year, even with paper candidates, because we would have been able to see the, the level of support among voters in Virginia by seeing how many people voted for Gary Johnson and for a congressional candidate. With that, this much attention being drawn to the Libertarian Party and Libertarian candidates this year. And I'll tell you, I, 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 it really disturbs me that I've seen so many comments on social media about the Libertarian Party in which people say things like, all they do is they run a candidate for president every four years. Why don't they run people for other offices? And I, you know, I slap my head and I say, there are 300 elected libertarians in the country right now. There have been thousands of people elected as libertarians in the past 45 years. We don't just run a candidate for president every four years, but, but the party is not succeeding in letting people know about that. Uh, and, and it's because, you know, we're not recruiting candidates even to run as, as paper candidates in down-ballot races. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, in Virginia where we have our legislative elections in odd-numbered years, if, if we don't run at least 10 or 15 candidates around, around the Commonwealth uh, for the House of Delegates next year, we've failed as a political party. The purpose of a political party is to run candidates for public office who will move public policy in a libertarian direction. And if you don't have candidates for public office, you're not moving public policy in a libertarian direction. Amen. Amen. Okay, one last question. It's a two-part question. Okay, you stated earlier you thought Hillary's going to run away with it tomorrow. And, and, and then some of the more hopeful of us, myself included, say, you know, it's going to be down to the wire, 269, 269. We'll throw it into the House, and Gary Johnson will win presidency, and we win tomorrow. But, but what I, is I in wish. your mind – yeah, I mean that's that's I'm, I'm an ultimate optimist. I'm gonna tell you this, okay? So, but what in your mind is the is the state of the Libertarian Party going forward past tomorrow under your scenario and under my scenario? Well, certainly under my scenario, we need to build on whatever gains were made this this year, and, and I'll give you an example in, in terms of press attention. It's been unprecedented. Uh, when I went to uh, when, when I went to the uh, LP National Convention in uh, in Orlando, uh, I talked to Nick Sarwark, the national chairman, and he pointed out that requests for press credentials for this year's convention were more than ten times the number that had ever been requested in any previous national libertarian convention. It was like two hundred compared to twenty. Uh, the 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 number of national television appearances by Gary Johnson or Bill Weld or both of them together has, has never, no libertarian candidate has ever got that kind of attention in the past. I mean, MSNBC, CNN, uh, Fox, uh, you know, Joe Scarborough show, uh, you, you name it, they've been on it. Uh, you know, the, the Colbert and Stephen Colbert show, uh, Unfortunately, I don't think they made it to the night show with uh, with, with Jimmy Fallon, but I know they they were on Jimmy Kimmel's late night show. So this kind of attention, we got to build on that, and and so so we have to look for a candidate for president in four years who can also appeal 
to the news media and the entertainment media. I don't know who that's going to be. Gary has said he's not running for office again. Bill Weld will not be running for office again. Whether it was anybody who ran for president this year for the Libertarian nomination or if somebody else will emerge, you know, it might be one of the state legislators who have uh, left the Republican Party and joined the Libertarian Party uh, in, in, in especially Western states who may emerge as our most likely uh, candidate for president uh, in four years. We need to run more candidates for public office uh, between now and 2020 so that people know the Libertarian Party is more than just a presidential platform. Uh, and I don't think that that scenario changes regardless of uh, whether Hillary Clinton or, or Donald Trump wins tomorrow or whether Hillary Clinton wins in a landslide or wins by two votes. You know, it, the, the purpose and the mission of the Libertarian Party uh, remain the same. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for answering all those questions. I know you've got other places to go and other things to do, but I, I really I don't know that we've had such a great uh, Libertarian spokesman on this program since uh, Mark Allen Feldman. He, he, he's the last one that we had that could, could bring it, just like you brought it there, Rick. So God bless you. Keep up the good work. <laughs> We're with you. Yeah, but, and, uh, but I, can't, I can't rap like Dr. Feldman could. <laughs> no, you can't, but you can rap pretty damn good, Rick. So you might think about the presidential uh, nomination in 2020. <laughs> I'm flattered. So, well, Rick, um, I have one last question, and then I'm going to get you to tell everybody um, how they can um, learn more about you and get in touch with you. Um do you know anything about this this vote trading stuff? I see ads on Facebook, like where they say if if you're a a Trump voter who wants to vote for Johnson, we'll match you up with a voter who wants to vote for Hillary Clinton. Or who's yeah, a Hillary I've seen supporter. that. Uh, I, I've seen that. It's it's not a new phenomenon. I I think I saw that as early as the 2008 election. Uh, where people were trading votes for John McCain and, 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 and Barack Obama uh, for, uh, uh, I guess it was Bob Barr who ran that year. Uh, yeah, I don't put a lot into that because how do you really trust a stranger in California to cast the vote for Gary Johnson uh, in return for your vote for Hillary Clinton or, or, or Donald Trump or whatever? I say go out, vote for the candidate who most represents your own views and your own values regardless of what state you live in. The vote trading could work, might not, but, you know, just go out and vote for Gary Johnson if Gary Johnson is your candidate. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you live in Virginia or Florida or Ohio uh, or even in a state where by a landslide. Or Louisiana, yeah. Indiana, uh, Illinois, you know, vote your conscience. Do what Ted Cruz Excellent. told the Republican convention and got booed because they recognized that voting your conscience meant not voting for Donald Trump. <laughs> I, don't, I, 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 don't know, I don't know how Republicans can live with themselves if they vote for Donald Trump tomorrow, but uh, at least I know that on Wednesday morning, as disappointed as I will be with the results of the election, I'll be able to look myself in the, in, in the mirror and say, I voted for the candidate who most represented my values, Gary Johnson. Excellent. 
All right. So why don't and you And if people want to find out more about me, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can find me online at ricksincere.com. Uh, I write uh, frequently, at least once a week, for bearingdrift.com. Bearing Drift is a uh, uh, statewide website. Uh, it's called the uh, Virginia's Conservative Voice, but uh, I'm the libertarian. I'm not the only libertarian who writes for Bearing Drift, but I'm probably the most prominent. Uh, and uh, so, you know, bearingdrift.com and uh, ricksincere.com, that's the easiest way to find me. Follow me on Twitter at rick underscore sincere. Uh, and uh, j- just keep on keep on voting Libertarian. All right. All right. Thank you, sir, for coming on. Yeah, thank you. You're Mike. welcome. I hope, hope hope to do it again someday. That All right. Thank job. you. We we sure will. Okay. Good night. Have a good day tomorrow. All right. Yeah, everybody. Bye bye. Enjoy. Oh, all right, uh, Jeffrey. Um, that was yes, that was a pretty good interview. Man, he was, he's a pot of knowledge, huh? He does it all. I love listening to people like that that can just bring it the whole way through. Yes, I mean, I mean, the questions that you were asking tonight were across the board, across the table, whatever, whatever you want to call it, and all different um, ideas and topics. And he was he was well versed on all of it. Yeah, he really is. He's something else. That guy's he. I can, I wasn't joking when I said he's the best in some Mark Allen filming. Yeah, I, I I mean he's he's really great. Uh, so are you going to be volunteering at the polls tomorrow, Jeffrey? At all? Uh, I mean, you know, when I'm thinking, I watch, I'm trying to decide my best move. You know, I, I don't my my son's in school. I'm a B in Gonzales. They've got a. Uh, I've got. I'm going to bring my sign, my Gary Johnson sign. I think I'm going to uh, stand on the corner and wave about four signs at these people as they go by. We've got a mayor running. Uh, sort of change. You see, there's these little some of these little towns have some fantastic races. You know, we've got a Justice of the Peace running in Baton Rouge. We were growing towns, so some of the some of the towns outside the suburbs are are growing so fast that the old old school uh, power bases are, are, are being threatened, you know. And of course, me, I'm coming to Baton Rouge, out to Gonzales or Livingston or West Louisiana, where you have it. Uh, you know, so I'm thinking about about throwing, waving some signs for the mayor, uh, uh, Terrence Irvin, and then uh, he's he's actually a Democrat. He's got a couple of buddies running for him. Kenneth Cardinal is running for Congress, but of course, I, we our second district Congress candidate. Got paid off by the uh, by one of the, the main guys, the uh, top dog Democrat, and uh, so our, our guy he bailed out. He was weak, but I mean I would have run in the second district if I'd have known this guy was so weak. But uh, anyway, he ran and he bailed out. So I'm thinking about going out um, supporting this Kenneth Cutno, Democrat, but he seems man of the people. And then you've got uh, they, they, they listen. You listen to libertarian principles. You know, that's something. You know, when we get out there, they can understand. The Democrats, I find, a lot of times are more in tune to the idea that liberty is something that that they deserve because they've lost so many in these in the civil rights. They lost so many rights. When it comes down to liberty, it cuts across Republican, Democrat, Independent. They they listen a little bit closer than maybe some of the more privileged. Republican-type candidates might, you know. 
So uh, we've got a couple of mm-hmm. there. I might play some size for that's the piece my friend Pam Alonzo's running in uh, Prairieville with wave some size for her. So I think I'm going to wave signs in the morning. How about you? Oh, I will be at the polls tomorrow around 7 a.m., and I'll try to be there all day with a little break for lunch. Um, and um, I'll just be handing out material and sticking my, how close, my signs up. How close to the polls can you go? Like for us, we can't go for 100 yards. It's a long way. We can't get close to the polls. I think, gotta, I think airs yeah. are, are, are 40 yards. These are like 400 feet. We can't. We have to be waving signs down the street, or we can be pole watching. But if we're pole watching, we can't say anything, can't do anything. Just gotta watch. Yeah. Uh huh. And I. I mean, that's that sounds kind of boring to me. <laughs> I'd rather be waving signs than sitting there all day. Now, they, I did see a, a a guy on the news the other day. A, a Trump guy said he was going to watch the polls with his open carry pistol hanging out. So I see if you can do that. Wear your red shirt. Now, another thing that I heard was that the that the, uh, that the guys voting for Trump are going to wear their red shirt. The people voting for uh, for Clinton will wear their blue shirt. And then I've been telling everybody, if you're voting for Gary Johnson, wear your gold shirt. Yeah, that's a good idea. Can't argue uh, with that. How's our kid so, in uh, Milwaukee doing? Is he going to make the uh, make the uh, runoff? You mean uh, Andy? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I don't really know. I I, I imagine that um, he's doing pretty well. I mean, he felt comfortable enough to fly to Albu- Albuquerque for the Gary Johnson election night party. So uh, I figure he he thinks he's doing pretty well there in Milwaukee. His his opponent Gwen Moore refused to ever debate him. But, you know, I mean, I don't really blame her for that. You know, you know, and this is what I tell people when they say, well, so-and-so wouldn't debate the libertarian candidate. And I say, well, would you? If you knew you were going to be be used as a mop, some, right. you know, Andy Craig would mop the floor up with her, and he'd do it in such a polite way that she would thank him after he was done. He's impressed. You know, so what you know, um, you, yes. Can we, win? can we win New Mexico tomorrow? I, you know, re- reports that you know it's like Rickson's here said on the show tonight. Anecdotal stories he's hearing. I'm hearing stories left and right about people saying they're going to vote for Gary Johnson. I, you know, I drive for Uber. I'm in the car. People see all the Gary Johnson stuff. They talk to me about it. Not everybody's going to vote for him. But, you know, like um, the night before last, I had a woman get in my car and she said, I see you're voting for Gary Johnson. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she was probably in her 40s maybe. And she said, "Um, are you firm in that? And, you know, I don't like it when people ask me that because it's like they think I would plaster my car with Gary Johnson, but I don't really know yet what I want to do. Right. You know, and, yeah, and, like <laughs> you know, and so I said, well, let me, I said, maybe that's a better question directed at you. I said, are you firm in your support for your candidate? And she said, absolutely. I'm voting for Hillary Clinton. And, you know, and I, and the ride that we took 
was like a almost a 30-minute ride where she had to go. And we talked the whole way about politics, and I explained to her why I was voting for Gary Johnson and why it was important to vote for Gary Johnson. I said, even if he doesn't win on Tuesday, I win because I voted for who I wanted to be president. I helped the Libertarian Party. Um, and, and I said, you know, I'm giving the American people more choices next time. And when she got out of the car, she said, you know, she said, you talked to me about Gary Johnson and Bill Weld and all the things that they did. She said, you weren't ugly to me about Hillary Clinton. You didn't immediately jump on me and say I was stupid for voting for Hillary. You didn't tell me that my candidate was a crook. You didn't this. She said, I'm actually going to go inside. And I'm going to look up Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, and I'm going to consider voting for them. And about 20 minutes later, I had finished Ubering for the night. She sent me a text message via Uber and told me that she had decided to vote for Gary Johnson. That's fantastic, Joe. That's a, that's a story to warm my heart right there. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that, does it? I mean, and that is the example of William Weld. And we see these people – hating on William Weld, especially from the anarchist side of the party. But I think across the, the, the party, we see a lot of hatred for Hillary Clinton because she is the most statist. Although they're both very statist, we think she's the most sold out to the corporate internationalist influence, although I don't know why. I mean, I don't, I don't think Trump – I think it's very true. Trump has been the buyer, and uh, and Hillary has been – the seller of influence, honestly. Well, you reason, know, you, you know what people. You know what you know what some Hillary people have told me over the course of this election that when they got fed up with Hillary and they decided that they could not vote for her, you know, their first instinct was to look at the Republican candidate because, according to them, he has the best chance of winning. And, you know, everybody likes to win. I mean, even if they won't admit it, we all do. We like to win. We like to succeed. And so they look at Donald Trump, and what they see, they not only see him, but they also see his supporters saying Hillary Clinton's a crook, Hillary Clinton's evil, Hillary, Hillary Clinton is the devil, Hillary Clinton is this, her supporters hate America, da 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 da, da on and on. And so if you're if, – if, if you were a Hillary Clinton supporter and all of a sudden you decide, well, I can't support her now because I learned about the WikiLeaks this or, or that or, you know, whatever, the last place you're going to go to is, is a place where everybody's talking about your candidate in a really bad way and they're saying that supporters of that candidate are anti-American, they hate America, and blah, blah. So I don't, you know, these people that say, well, William Weld needs to be really tough on Hillary Clinton, and he needs, William Weld has said more times than I can count that he doesn't agree with Hillary Clinton's policies, but he's not going on a witch hunt. He won't do it. And a, a lot of the problem lies in the fact that a majority of the young people today, and even some of the older folks like me and even people your age, they have a hard time remembering campaigns that were civil. I think the last great civil campaign was the one between Ronald Reagan and um, 
the, the his opponent, um, Walter Mondale. I mean, that, you know, Ronald Reagan joked with Walter Mondale, and Walter Mondale joked back, and they had disagreements about policy. But you would never have heard Ronald Reagan say that man is the devil, and anybody who supports him is anti-American. He's crooked. He's this. He's that. You know, Ronald Reagan may have been thinking that all day long, but he would have never said it. I mean, I was there for the Reagan Mondale campaign in my in my mind, my, 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 in my feelings. It felt pretty nasty. I mean, I don't remember any, any specifics about like what each side was saying, but Mondale down here was he was. He might have been almost as bad as Hillary as far as the emotional energy against him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that just yeah, tells you where well, we're at. I mean, you know, I mean, Hillary is uh, Hillary's a special blend of well, horrible people. Well, see, the, but, the uh, problem you have now is you have two candidates who aren't worth crap. I mean, they are they are worthless. Hillary, see, here's the thing: Donald Trump has absolutely zero qualifications to be president. Zero. Hillary Clinton has a resume that looks great when you when you if if I was a um looking at resumes for people and I looked at her resume, I would say, wonderful. I want to meet this woman. But the minute I met right. her and the minute she started describing to me exactly what she did when she was in all those positions you talk about deflating a balloon. I mean, it, it, there's nothing there beyond the paper. And so, I mean, you've got two really bad candidates who are playing off of each other. There was a, I don't remember if it was a Saturday Night Live skit or a skit from another one of those um, sketch comedy shows where um, you you had the one candidate on one side and one candidate on the other and and they they would be arguing back and forth with each other, and then you could hear what they were thinking, and Hillary was saying, I am just the worst candidate ever. I've got to, but I've got to convince the people out there in the audience that Donald Trump is worse than me because that's the only way I'm going to get elected is if they think he's worse than me. And then you go over to Donald Trump, and he's saying similar things. I'm as crooked as the day is long. I've bought and sold politicians ever since I got in the public eye, but I've got to make it look like she's more crooked than I am because that's the only way I'm going to get elected. You know, and that's exactly what's going on. And people don't know how to process. People don't know how to process the nice guy in the room. Exactly. They don't. It's crazy. Have you seen the, uh, the last Trump, uh, campaign ad of, of the campaign. Have you seen that last thing he did? I have not. Well, tell me about it. This is the thing. America is is ruined. We've been victimized. Our country has been destroyed by these corrupt politicians in D.C. We all feel this. You know, we feel it. I feel it. You know, we have been screwed. Our politicians have sold us out to all these people. So it, it is Saudis, the Israelis, you know, they just our whole government has been bought and sold multinational corporations and all the WikiLeaks crew that Hillary Clinton, who is the, the icon of of, uh, of of selling America out for, to these foreign interests, 
has proven to have done so in the WikiLeaks. And uh, and so these, you know, I think a lot of people down here, this is where I'm, I'm giving them a little bit more credit now than I did before, the Trump supporters. And they're not so much inbred picks as they are people that really feel like America has has lost its soul and liberty. They've lost liberty in America. And a lot of my friends and so forth that are supporting Trump, even mom this week. I mean, she's been strong Gary Johnson the whole time. This week she starts talking about how, you know, she, this last thing about Trump, we might need to vote for Trump just because he brings a, a uh, you know, like a force against all this international uh, uh, influences peddling. The, the people that buy out our Congress. People look at Trump as if he's some, somehow a force against that. And, you know, if, if he is, God bless him. Yeah, because he certainly does claim to be. I mean, and if, but then again, I mean, you hear somebody like Rick Sincere say Trump's going down 300 to, to nothing. I mean, that doesn't sound too good for for the Trumpsters. So I guess the only hope we have is that coming out of this election, you know, Gary Johnson and Bill Wells have built enough of a name for us that we can we can have a chance to be competitive in in twenty twenty if we don't win New Mexico and Alaska. Because I still think we can win on New Mexico, Alaska, I, North Dakota, I think, South Dakota. Well, you know you know, a, a a guy who and I can't remember his name it was it was in 2012 and he was on facebook and he he predicted things like that um all the time and and he said you know a lot of people um that was his business you know predicting election outcomes and stuff like that he was a dick morris kind of guy and he said you know a lot of people don't want to want to go out on a limb with these types of things because you know they don't want to uh, the day after the election, they don't want to be so well. You told us blah blah blah, and and it ended up happening like this. And so he said, a lot of times people will play it safe in this in this game, and they will and they will say, you know, well this is going to happen or that's going to happen because they're they're trying to play it safe. And who knows? I remember after the 2012 election, you know, Dick Morris predicted that. He kept saying over and over on Fox News that Romney was going to win in a landslide and hands down, and then Romney didn't win. And so what did Dick Morris say? Well, I had to say that because you wouldn't have voted for him if I didn't. Well, apparently they didn't vote for him, or Romney would have won. <laughs> you know? Right. That's right. I mean, you, know, you look at Romney, how Romney went down and played with a lot of Republicans. Thought Romney, I never thought Romney had a prayer. Not from the very first time I saw him running away from uh, Adam Kokesh. Adam Kokesh coming out of uh, the front door, asked him a couple questions. Robbie ran back inside. Adam Kokesh ran around to the back door, caught him coming out the back door. I said, no, that guy's no president at all. He's totally screwed. Which brings (laughs) me to one of my last questions is like, what do you see for 2020 in the presidential race? Let's assume – that we don't win tomorrow, okay? I mean, and I'm not willing to give up and don't give in at all, but say we don't win tomorrow. And I say, if I win, throw it into the house. Because for us, if we win New Mexico and any other state, we won. I think we'll win the election if we can win New Mexico and any other state. But say we don't win. What do you see for the 2020 presidential, uh, uh, libertarian presidential race? Because I think it's going to make a huge difference. 
Well, if we don't win tomorrow, um, I'm hoping that we at least get 5% or more, which I think is doable. Um, I think it's going to be much more than 5%. Um, we better, we better be prepared to hunker down and, and take, and, and, and take, um, the, the, um, the head bashing that we're going to get for the next, um, six months because, um, whoever loses is, is going to blame one of two things, the rigging of elections and the libertarian party. So, you know, um, if they're not blaming the fact the elections are rigged is the reason their candidate didn't win. And that's going to happen, whether it's Hillary or Trump, if Trump wins, they're going to say, the Hillary people are going to say, well, the elections were rigged because there's no way that that guy could have won and, and vice versa if Hillary wins. And then some are going to say, well, the, if, if Gary Johnson had dropped out of the race, all of those people would have gone to Hillary or all of those people would have gone to Trump. And we know that's not true. But what I getting, getting back to the original point here, um, what's going to happen is we're going to get matching federal funds, and I think an overwhelming number of people at the next convention, which is going to be in New Orleans, so I expect you to be there, Jeffrey, with bells on. Um, and <laughs> and I think Nobody that – Say that again? I said if the, if the nomination is happening in New Orleans, I might be running. I can do that a little bit. You week. might be. You might be, right. but um, – it's an it's an off year um, uh, convention. Oh, okay. It won't be. No, that's 2018. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so what what they'll they'll be mostly taking care of business. But one of the things that they'll probably be voting on is whether or not we should take federal um, funding for the election. And I agree with Rick Sincere's um, comment about you know they stole it from us to begin with, so we should take it. We should take it back. Um, I agree with that. You know, now the now see the anarchists and the and the diehards in the party that say no, 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 we shouldn't take that money because it's a great big government welfare check. Well, those are the same people that say if you get more than one percent of the vote, that's unacceptable because that means you had to get more than just libertarians voting for you. And if you and if yeah, you're a candidate that are people that say they're not voting for Jerry Johnson, they're the ones that are staying home because Jerry Johnson's not a real libertarian. So they're not even or they're or they're or they're going to vote for Daryl Perry in the two states that he managed to get on the ballot as a write-in. Um, yeah, write-in in Louisiana, even though we don't take write-ins for somebody like that. I mean. These people are so ridiculous. It's just not even funny. Well, but hey, you know the the thing that the thing that gets me about the so-called purists, and I have air quotes around that, is that you know the moment you get involved in politics by either voting or supporting a candidate or being a candidate, you have given up the right to call yourself a purist, anarchist, or whatever, because you've already given into the system. And so unless you're going to absolutely sit at home and not vote, and again, if you don't want, if you don't want to vote, if you don't want to want to be involved in politics, then stay out of the Libertarian Party. The, 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 the responsibility of this party 
is to run people for office and to get them elected. And I'm sorry, but I don't care if I was the only one that had to vote to make the ne- to choose the next president. And da- and it, and, and Daryl Perry was the only one on the ballot. Daryl Perry still wouldn't be president because I wouldn't vote for him. I mean, <laughs> and I and is Daryl Perry a nice guy in person? Yeah, I mean, I met him. I shook his hand. Um, but you know, we're not ready for that. That's for the future when everybody is has has come a long way, and they don't want to hear that. But that's. You know, reality reality bites, but it but it is what it is. So I, mean, I, I think, think that's in, because, in, I mean, honestly, I mean, if Gary, what 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 about uh, Adam Kokesh? Adam's going to run in twenty twenty. I mean, would you not vote for Adam because he wants to disband the U.S. government? Then well, Adam Adam Kokesh, Adam Kokesh says, at, at least the last time I I had any dealings with Adam Kokesh, you know, Adam agreed to come on this show twice and both times he never showed up. And so then the third time that he wanted to come on, I said, and you know, Alex Butler tried to get him on twice. And then the third time he said, Oh, this time I promise this time I promise I'll be there. And I said, Alex, you tell him no thanks. Um, So there's that. But the other thing is, and, and, you know, I don't know if you read, if you read that stuff about, Adam Kokesh and the and the saying that he made his his ex girlfriend sign or something. Were you the one that brought that up on the show that night? And he had this slave agreement with his girlfriend or whatever. She has to like do whatever he wants or whatever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying personal. I'm not saying personalities at all. I'm saying in general. And Adam saying Adam his philosophy of disband the U.S. government was to become the libertarian candidate. Would you feel so strongly as these radicals that won't vote for Johnson? Would you say I will not vote? No, no, and I no, I, I would I would I would I would probably vote for him, but my but number one, I don't he's not gonna become the Libertarian Party nominee. And number two, the the thing that he said because um, this is why we were going to have him on the show to discuss this with him. He basically said in an interview one time that if if I run for president in 2020 and I get elected, the day after I'm elected, I'm going to disband the office of the presidency and shut down the federal government. And right then and there, that shows that he doesn't know what he's talking about because even if he could – Shut, you know, um, disband the office of the presidency and and all that. He can't shut down the rest of the government. I mean, he's not a king. He's not a dictator. I mean, there are channels he would have to go through, and nobody's going to let him do that. But he was on a wild fantasy ride, and I thought, well, we'll have him on, and we'll discuss that with him, and he'll probably have some ingenious wiggle wiggle room to go around and say, you know, well, this is how I'm going to do it. And there's going to be a wave of of anarchists that, that get elected with me, and um, and all that. So, and they and they will help me to make it happen. But he never came on the show. But if he managed to get nominated as the Libertarian Party candidate, I know he would not get elected president. So I would probably vote for him to help the Libertarian Party. Well. 
that's just a that's just a Lavonian Spanish equation. I mean, I get I get so much feedback from those who who feel like oh we can't vote for Johnson. It just irritates me to no end the the radicals who who would rather you know not stay home than vote for for the best candidate that we've ever had with the best chance exactly. of ever doing anything. It just drives me crazy. There, there, is a, there, there, is a, there is a long-standing joke in, in Virginia libertarian politics, and I won't name anyone in particular because they may be listening to the show, but um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll be very general here in what I'm saying and, um, and that the, the, the anarchist libertarian goes to vote and there are three names on the ballot for president Donald Trump Hillary Clinton and them and they walk in and they close the they close the curtain and after about five minutes they come back out and there's a reporter standing there and the reporter says hey Jeffrey you voted huh well who'd you who did you vote for for president and Jeffrey says well nobody." And the reporter says, nobody, why not? Oh, because I didn't see a real libertarian on the ballot. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, I mean, you know, that's how silly it is. They're not even live. They can't even live up to their own standards. They can't. Yep. And yet, and they won't, and they won't vote for Gary Johnson, you know, Nazi gay cakes. You know, seriously, those people were not going to vote in the first place. They think that they have found a legitimate excuse that they can use to show why they're not voting. They haven't found one, but they, they've convinced themselves that they have. But they were not – these people who saying bake the damn cake, you know, and those people were not going to vote for Gary Johnson or Daryl Perry or anyone else. They were not going to vote. You know, they're and losers. They're, they're Republicans. They want to vote for Trump, and they're just trying to fuck with us. They could, that, 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 that's also a possibility. That's, and then they go around and they say, well, you know, Gary Johnson's not libertarian, and you're messing up. I said, no, 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 no. You're messing up things. Because you're creating a lot of problems. You're not, do, you're not doing anything to help. You know, saying that you're going to stay at home and you're not going to vote and that Gary Johnson is a libertarian, that's not helping anything. It's not helping anybody. It's not helping anything. And, well, it's making me feel good. Well, then good. You know you know what would make me feel good? If they would just shut up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. You, you know, know, I want to close the show on before the end of the election. I want to close the show on a big thank you to Gary Johnson. That guy, he came in saying he was a he had stamina, that he had strength, that he climbed the seven peaks on the seven continents, and he's campaigning tonight right now. He has not let up. He has made mistakes, but he hasn't given up. He hasn't given back one inch. I'm so proud of him for standing up in the fight he's brought all the way through. And I'm proud of William Weld. Nobody asked nobody told us William Weld was gonna be a great libertarian philosopher, they say he's going to be a great VP candidate, and he has been. He's raised a lot of money. He's brought so much positive attention to us. He has held his character up. 
for all the world, but with our power, with our party, he has shown himself and his great character to be aligned with us and believe in us. And I don't think we could get any better people, two people to represent the Libertarian Party in 2016 than those two. We needed them now more than we ever needed them, than we ever will need them. We needed them right now. And it hadn't been perfect and it hadn't been easy, but we've been very blessed to have those two characters, Johnson Wells, that you go down the history books with an asterisk next to their name is two of the best people that ever ran for president, I think. And we're lucky to have Oh, I I'll tell you right now. Um I will I think Bill Weld is great. Things you know, you go on you go on um live T V and you and you say things that uh, you might have wished you'd said differently. I remember in 2013, I was at a sine wave for Robert Sarvis. He was running for governor, and I was at a sine wave. And a guy from WRVA, in fact, it was my neighbor who doesn't live next to me anymore, uh, Andy Dernan, came up to me because I was in my neighborhood, and he came up to me, and he shoved a recorder in my face and said, hey, I want to interview you. And and so we were talking, and um we got on the subject of Ken Cuccinelli and I was very affirmative about it. And I said, you know, under no circumstances should anybody vote for Ken Cuccinelli. Not at all. No. And, and I should have also reiterated the fact that under no circumstances should anybody vote for the Democrat, Terry McAuliffe, which if I'd been thinking and it wasn't on the spur of the moment, I would like, if it was on this show, I would have said that, but I didn't. And that interview went out um, on WRVA during their news segment. And I never even thought about it until somebody took that audio of me and posted it all over Facebook and said, uh, Robert Sarvis campaign spokesman, Joe and Rufty is, is, telling everybody don't you dare vote for Ken Cuccinelli but he was silent about Terry McAuliffe which means he thinks Terry McAuliffe is a better choice oh well anybody that haven't talked about McAuliffe how, how did we get to this thing without McAuliffe's $675,000 donation to the number two guy in charge of the Clinton investigation coming out I know please tell me how did we get to the whole show Without even mentioning that, Joe, what's that all about? Terry, Terry McAuliffe is probably the shadiest guy to ever run and win the Virginia governorship in the history of this state. And we've had some pretty shady people in here um, at various times. But, you know, Terry, you know, and I will say this in all honesty, and this may sound like uh, might be my Bill Weld moment. You know, I don't think Terry McAuliffe started out as a bad guy. But, you know, it's like anybody who gets involved with a corrupt machine, they're eventually going to become corrupt themselves. And Terry McAuliffe has been involved in the DNC for so long that he doesn't know any other way than their way, and their way is dirty politics. Their way is soft you know, media, they can get on board. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and see... That's what people find in Trump that's so appealing. He's not part of the GOP establishment. But you see, that's um, that, that's the problem. You know, just because he's not part of the GOP establishment doesn't mean 
he's good. I mean, that's like that's like people fleeing Germany during World War II and running into the arms of Mussolini. You know, well, at least he's not Hitler. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, you know, that, you know, and 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 Trump was very smart. I mean, he and 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 I don't think for a minute that Trump is stupid, and he makes these statements, and then he goes, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that." No, uh, uh-uh. Trump doesn't care. Trump flat out does not care. You know. He doesn't care who he offends. He doesn't care what he says. He just doesn't care. And so he's a pretty smart guy. And he knows how to work the system. He knows how to play the system. And he doesn't really care if Hillary Clinton wins tomorrow. He does not. And if you want to know the truth about it, Hillary Clinton doesn't really care if Donald Trump wins tomorrow. Because... Zero difference between the two of them. It doesn't matter, and that's what I needed. I try to tell you, these people it's the same difference. Well, do you remember the video that Hillary Clinton did, the the one about between two ferns, and that guy Zach Garanopoulos or whatever his name is, he with the beard, he interviewed her. And he said, if Donald Trump wins, are you going to move to another country? And she said, no, I'm going to stay here in the United States and try to prevent him from destroying the country. Well, no, she's going to stay here in the United States just to make sure Trump does everything like she wants him to. You know, and if he doesn't, she's going to nudge him. Exactly. And he will. I mean, honestly, he'll do exactly what you would have done. There's going to be no difference. He just, they just ran him. They called the Pied Piper. They called it but even, the WikiLeaks. They called it. They were going to run the Pied Piper. The Pied Piper going to suck all these people this way. That's what the Pied Piper is. We're going to play this little flute, and all these idiots are going to run after uh, Trump. Or who else did they say? They said they're going to run after Trump or Ted Cruz. What was the other Pied Piper? They had three Pied Pipers. But anyway, and, and they chose yeah. Trump. And, you know, and, and there's just another whole aspect of it. It's like when you look at the at the New World Order, the globalists' control of the Democrat Party and the Republican Party is not that far apart. You know, what they say is, is that Oh, I know, I know. I mean, I mean, are, are totally acceptable to them, and all they tried to do with both of them was to keep us from winning. They tried to they tried to create such friction between a false right and a false left that the Libertarian Party couldn't stand up and win the win the race because it was too dangerous. Oh, I can't vote for them because Hillary's so bad. I can't vote for them because Trump's so bad. And that's been I know that that's that's their, that's their whole. That's their whole election strategy, and it's only going to work for so long, and then it's going to come toppling down, and and that's what they're so afraid of. You know, somebody said to me the other day, um, the Republican establishment wants Hillary. They'll still have a seat at the table if she's elected, but they won't if Trump's elected. Well, I got news for you. If Trump happens to win tomorrow, and it's highly unlikely, but let's say he does, there isn't going to be a wall going up across the border. Mexico's not going to pay for it, even if there is a wall. There isn't going to be one. 
He's not going to deport 11 million illegals. He's already backtracked on that. I mean, and anybody who thought who who thought that that was actually going to come to fruition, really. I mean, there were a lot of people that said to me, "Well, I know he's not actually going to do that, but just hearing him say it, just I I get a thrill up my leg like Chris Matthews in 2008. You know, I mean, so all this stuff is not going to come true. The Republican establishment is not going to be knocked out of Washington because, you know, Trump's going to come in and he's going to sit them all down at the table and say, okay, guys, we did it, and they're all going to high-five each other and all this. And the people that voted for Donald Trump are never going to admit that they got screwed. They won't. They will come up with every excuse in the book. Well, he can't do it all in four years. We got to re- we got to reelect him, so he can get it all. You know, like the Obama people do in 2012, when everybody was saying, "Well, all those promises Obama made, and not a one has come true." And they said, "Well, he can't do it in four years. He's got to have eight. And so now, what are they saying? If we don't elect Hillary, none of the stuff Obama promised will come true. Well, here's, the, here's, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, what you got to realize is, is that, um, that when, say, I mean, I, I have been thinking that Trump is going to win. Of course, I'm down here in Trump land, and it feels like Trump's going to win. I don't see how all the horrible corruption that's been exposed by Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, I don't see how Hillary could possibly win. Of course, my wife is voting for her. She loves her. You know, all, I, I lied a little bit earlier. I said all Joe's school is voting for Gary Johnson. Actually, Joe's voting for Gary Johnson. He's in fourth grade. The rest of his school is voting for Hillary Clinton. And it is just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's, uh, it's beyond me. But uh, at the end of the day, we're going to have the same problems after this election as we did before. And we're going to have the same solution. And the same solution is we must elect a third party to Congress. And, and our only hope yeah. is, is that, you know, with this many more people enlightened that we've got, is that maybe in 2018 we can elect enough people to Congress, libertarians, third parties. Like, again, I'll always say it. If Gary Johnson, if, Bill, Will, if there was a libertarian candidate, I would, I would vote for Jill Stein. The, the point, the main point, the first point is the point of, you know, we're going to let the corruption rule us. Or are we going to beat that? Because once we beat that, we can have a fair and honest debate. But until you do, you're going to have people voting every day to repeal Obamacare. Oh, repeal Obamacare. Like that, it means something to anybody. And uh, so, anyway, God bless you. I know. I know what you mean. God bless the United States of America. Tomorrow, may may we win New Mexico. And if those people in New Mexico had Gary Johnson as a benefit, a great, you know, Leadership that he provides for eight years, because they don't go elected tomorrow. And I think we should win Massachusetts too. How could you have William Weld and Gary Johnson as your governor and not go vote him in as president? I don't. I can't imagine. So I know New Mexico, Massachusetts, they're ours. After that, yeah, I'll be happy with the Dakotas, Alaska, Wyoming, and Colorado. That should be enough to win the presidency for us. And then Joe yeah. will have a really good, good show next week. We sure will. So, anyway, um, we're about out of time. So, uh, thanks for being on, Jeffrey. Um, I wish Andy could have made it tonight, but uh, I realize he's traveling. 
So yeah, it's so hard um, when you're a candidate. Not just travel. When you're a candidate, it's such a huge part. I mean, with these people, they need to understand. We appreciate Howard came on. Uh, we had uh, we had uh, uh, our uh, my, my good friend Guy McClendon who ran the Johnson campaign came on with us. Uh, and yeah, we had these candidates. It's so stressful. It's so hard. Like. I got into trying to help a few people run this time and sort of felt it. Like the the, 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 the problem is standing up. Like I'm standing here. Like how can I get these people? Like it, it felt, it reminded me of when I ran. It's like one man against the whole world. And when you see a guy like Johnson and Weld stand up and do it, you know, they take responsibility for their results. You know, it, it, on a presidential level, it's huge. So, so God bless all of us who ran. As a uh, as a libertarian, as an independent, as a third party candidate, and uh, the best, all the best success tomorrow, and uh, and in the years to come. Uh, God bless you, Joe. I know you've been working yep. your ass off and spreading the word, and uh, you know it's a long term thing. But you know what? When people feel like they're being heard, it makes a difference. You know, and, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of you know when they say that we, we make a difference in the policy that changes. It's because people hear us and they love to hear the truth and want to vote and they'll make our, our our policy the libertarian policy prevail next year in the state legislature because they heard it this year and it, it, it's funny yeah. but it, it really is a, a labor of love and it's a unrequited love we might not ever win but it's the fight that everybody sees in us by standing up and giving it to them. It makes us win next right. year in the legislature. So God bless so, you. Keep up the good work. Sir. All right. Okay. Well, we'll okay. do it again uh, soon. You have a good night and good luck tomorrow, Jeffrey. And everybody, yeah. please go out and vote tomorrow if you haven't already. God bless you. All right. Good night. Bye.
just wonder how your arms will 